Hello and welcome to the Technical Difficulties podcast, <laughs> <laughs> where we have technical difficulties and we can't record because our audio box is broken. My name is Dan. My name is Rick. It's actually called I Hate Your Movie. We inflict movies upon each other for entertainment purposes. This week, I inflicted, <laughs> or Rick inflicted on himself, Suspiria. I disagree with this. This is I did not inflict it on myself. <laughs> you, Do explain. So Suspiria was on my very long list of movies that I collected just to see, you know, what I should recommend to Rick. But it was kind of near the bottom. It wasn't in a hurry. It wasn't in a rush. But Rick had to step in and say, <laughs> "I love this idea called Suspiria. I'm really curious about it. Uh, I think I'm gonna love this movie." I think my words were something along the line of, "Oh, I kind of wanted to see that, but then I didn't because it doesn't really look like." my thing or it looks a bit shit or something like that play back the tape <laughs> if you edit in okay. oh yeah, i'd really like to watch that film yeah thanks okay. I'm, I'm gonna find separate words <laughs> completely i'm gonna train an ai on your voice i really want to see suspiria yeah that's what it sounded like my name is rick i really want to see suspiria I think my words were something along the line of I really want to see Suspiria. <laughs> so Suspiria is a 2018 film by some European weirdos, Italian filmmaker. Directed by, I can't say that. <laughs> directed by an Italian weirdo. Okay. Starring Tilda Swinton, Dakota Johnson. Yep. Oh my god, I can't believe I got that right. And... A lot of other people. Chloe Grace Chloe, Moretz. Yeah, Chloe Grace Moretz. Your favourite. Mia Goth. Mia Goth. Yay. I forgot she was in this. And she has a big role. And it is a remake of a 1977, I think, movie. Yep. Look at you go. But yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> this is all from my brain, somehow. I don't know how to do maths, but I know, <laughs> I know what the Suspiria. Uh, it's very different. The director of this did come out and he said he didn't want to use the bright colors of the original because he didn't want to do a flat remake yeah he wanted to do his own thing yeah it's very its own thing isn't it just we'll get into that what is your one sentence review richard evans my one sentence review is films like this is the reason this podcast has its name <laughs> wow Okay, you hated it. I hated this movie. <laughs> I hated it with a raw and burning passion that I just cannot concisely put into words. Wow. It's just and two and a half hours of complete gibberish nonsense. Just, oh. <laughs> I disagree. You hated it more than Mulholland Drive. I would go as far to say is... This is one of the worst films I've ever seen. <laughs> Since watching this film, I have weighed up in my mind whether or not I have a new worst film ever. So, the worst film ever, by the way, if you don't already know, is Catwoman. Yeah. With oh, Halle Berry. Different reasons for badness. Yeah. yeah. But this is just excruciatingly drawn out and unnecessarily... I don't even want to use the word cryptic, because cryptic makes it sound interesting. Oh, God, I hate it so much. <laughs> like I said, I can't put it into words. I love this movie. 
Okay. And this is kind of a comfort movie for me. A comfort like, movie? Yeah, I like to put it on. And it's like, I like the slowness. And it kind of like puts me in this hypnotic mood. And it's kind of just nice to look at and nice to enjoy. It has a weirdly very mixed reception. And a lot of people say the original is better. I actually disagree. The original is very... Cannot be worse. <laughs> I think you'd hate it more, honestly. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't see that being because possible. Because if you think there's no story in this, there's absolutely no story in the original. There's no story. It's just weird things that happen. I'm sorry if you like the original. I like the visuals in it, but, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I can't imagine there's many people listening that are diehard fans of 1977 Suspiria. I don't know. If someone is li- someone's <laughs> listening because they like the movies I recommended, they might be. Okay. It expands the story. Visually, still amazing, but very different. It has incredible performances. <laughs> I'm trying my best to let Dan speak, but my face is just pure disgust. Yeah, yeah. And like incredible performance. I don't know if you could just hear my eyes roll. <laughs> Rick face looks like Robert De Niro if he sucked a lemon. <laughs> yeah, let's get into it. I do have a bit of fear towards the end of this because as you know, I write down all the kind of bits and pieces that happen throughout the thing and my notes start out like, oh, this happens, this happens. And then by the end, it just devolves into more fucking nonsense. <laughs> Something happens. There's a blood thing, whatever. There's a just, blood thing. Just, yeah, this happened. Yeah, fine. <laughs> yeah. So. Bah, 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 bah. Bah. <laughs> <laughs> just, just periodically testing, just in case. You know. Okay, yeah. Just, you haven't just gone insane talking about Suspiria. Um, like no. That, like I'm about to. Cool. Right. So, yeah, it starts... Oh, God, I don't want to talk about this film. <laughs> so it starts, as the rest of the film goes on, there's a woman talking gibberish. Chloe Grace Moretz walks into oh, yeah. the office, yeah. and she is just talking nonsense and singing weirdly and something about witches. Do you want to get the old man makeup in the room out of the way? Yeah, what? that was one of my very first notes, is why is he wearing prosthetic old man makeup? He... Oh, is it Tilda Swinton? Yeah, it's Tilda Swinton. Okay. <laughs> I think it's amazing. So, yeah, Tilda Swinton plays three characters in this movie. Mm-hmm. One we barely see up until the end. And two of the main characters are this Dr. Klemperer, right? Yep. Who's this old German guy. It takes place in Germany, 1970s, I guess, when the Berlin War was up. He's a psychologist. He's a counsellor, and he sees patients. And it's Tilda Swinton in a very... Very cool old man makeup. It's one of the best old man makeups I've ever seen. I don't know. Like I say, it was one of the first things I wrote down is why is this person wearing makeup? (laughs) It was incredibly distracting for almost the entire film. And completely unnecessary. Just get an old man to play that part. Why are you doing that? That's pointless. To be fair, on that point I agree with you. Okay. (laughs) I can't think of a thematic reason why would that be a case. I think they wanted to get clout for Tilda Swinton and get like a, ooh, she does this in the movie, kind of Oscar, you know, <laughs> bait kind of thing. But still, her performance is awesome. She speaks German and as an old man, <laughs> you know, it's really good. You can only see in, in her eyes, really. Yeah, that's what always gives it away in, yeah. for people in old man makeup, is the eyes. The other very good old man makeup is in Avengers Endgame, Captain America. Yeah, America. that's even better. I, I think it's better because I think Chris Evans realised he should squint. Okay. And I think that gives that, that edge, you know, because old men, like, squint a little bit sometimes. <laughs> 
Uh, and that hides your eyes better. Round one. Fight! You're Mr. Behind the Scenes Man. You're Mr. Editing and all that kind of stuff. Did the opening scene of this film not give you a horrendous headache? Because uh. about halfway through the scene, I started writing down all the cuts. And these cuts happen like every second and a half yeah. or every two seconds. And they're not of anything to do with the scene for the most part. So this is halfway through and the scene cuts from chair, shoes, drawer, session in book, table, bag, book, pen, actress, book, pen, door. I've never noticed editing in a film, really. Yeah. But this was just horrendous because not only was it so like sharp and mm-hmm. constant, but wasn't of anything. It was literally a pen on a desk or a book on a desk or a chair on against the wall. There's two kinds of elements to this. Okay. It's what you show and how you do it. And what you show is, you're right, they were going for that kind of high life, if you remember how that was edited. Instead of showing you like a big establishing shot of where you are, it shows you items and then you can kind of put it together in your head. Yeah, but you'd already seen his entire office in wide angle at this point. It's just kind of little assembly shots where you kind of get the mood of the scene from the little items. They weren't of anything. If you zoomed in on a book and it was like Sigmund Freud, it was just a blank red book. Okay. Or it was just a pen on a desk. Okay. Or it was a chair against the wall, like it's an old 1970s chair. Like, what what have you learned from that? (laughs) (laughs) That you didn't already know. None of it was had any information to it whatsoever Mm. the only thing i can even possibly imagine is the point they were trying to get through that he actually has quite a bland boring life and therefore like this amazing thing happened to him is unlikely or it's rare and it's a big event in his life from a big establishing shot you might not be able to get a good idea who this person is you know but you know he's (laughs) pretty self-explanatory come on that's one point okay what you show and then how you do it. Boringly. It was intentionally off-putting. So when they show the witches or where things are going crazy, they cut in motion, which is you're not supposed to do. But it's clearly intentional because it doesn't happen anywhere else. Chloe Grace Moretz is rambling and she's going through the apartment. And then as she's moving, it cuts to moving opposite way or something like that. And it's intentionally off-putting to put you in this off-putting mood. Yeah, I didn't mind that when it's cutting from like things that are actually happening to things that are actually happening. Yeah. What put me off was like it was just the wall. <laughs> it wasn't <laughs> just the wall. I'm sure if you had poured through the opening scene of that film, I could see one shot of it, just the wall. Okay. <laughs> so Chloe Grace Moretz mentions in this that they are witches. And again, I've written down book, chair, book, pen, table. Because, again, we needed to see those things a, All important. a third and fourth time. Chloe Grace Moretz's character, by the way, is called Patricia. And I've written here, Patricia be crazy. <laughs> is that from anything? <laughs> no. Okay. It's just, I just, something I figured out. <laughs> okay. Well, is she crazy? Uh, I, I get the feeling she's kind of been driven to madness from seeing something or experiencing something traumatic. The witches. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Cool. So, yeah, Patricia... Is clearly unhinged. Mm. And then that scene ends. And then we go to... I don't think it's ever really mentioned where these people are. But it seems to be like an Amish mm-hmm. 
it's not Amish, but something related, but I forgot the name of it. Mormon or something? No, but they do say something about their history is that they used to be Amish, but now they're this. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so they're in an Amish, and then there's like a, a bunch of people tending to an old woman. Round two, fight. And again, the shots in this were incredibly frustrating to me because... <sighs> It just showed kind of like from their neck to their stomach. Like it didn't show the people. Mm-hmm. Like it was, it was. I didn't understand why, and it just why it just seemed. You know, the director's like, I'm not going to do this traditionally. I'm going to do it my way, yeah. and they're not going to see their faces because audience doesn't need to see. Cause it's just pointless. It's it's, it's just pointless. it's just awkward for awkward sake. No, <laughs> it's it is non-traditional, and that's why he did it. But. There is a purpose of showing the scenery and getting this mood of the movie. Yeah. It's kind of like if you go on... Let's say you go to a museum and there's like an exhibition for a photographer. Okay. And you see all these images that are separate and portray different things. Mm -hmm. But together they can tell a story. It's like that. No, I don't think it is. I think it's like if someone's creating a music piece and they've got quite a nice music piece, but then they just put this really high-pitched scream in the middle of it just to be different. Okay. (laughs) It's not clever. It's not entertaining. It's just that person wanted to be different, so that's what they've done. We can't find agreement on that because we don't know the intentions of the artist. No, you can't see the intentions of the artist, but it just yeah, I suppose you only get a feel for what I got a feel for. It's a mood thing. It puts you into this kind of trance kind of hypnotic. It's very intuitive. Instead of showing you what it is, you show an images and you kind of intuit what's happening. Again, it's kind of like in High Life. It's not like High Life gave you an idea of time frame. It gave you an idea of who's alive and who's dead. Is the gardener alive? No, because all his plants are dead. Mm. Blah, blah, blah. I think this I th- was just a chair. I think <laughs> that I doesn't th- tell you anything. I think I realise what the difference is here because in High Life you are focusing on the very literal things it, the image is telling you, and I'm focusing on what the images are intuiting in me which is an empty chair or loneliness, this and that. It's just an example. Yeah. Or uh, what I remember is the hands, the hands on the resting. It's just like this somber, this calmness. I intuit emotions and you trying to intuit real things that you can see. Real practical things. Yes, it's a film. Yeah, but there's emotions in the film. And then the image is supposed to give you emotions. They're a better, they're a better way to show it. If anything, the, the hands for me showed a complete lack of emotion. Like, they're not, you know, worried. They're not kind of, like, trying to care. They're just sat there. And it's like, okay. And it's, for me, that's a kind of, like, I'm holding my hands here. I'm waiting. I'm waiting for you to die. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so it, I do get the kind of emotions behind it. That's not an entertaining story for me. Okay. It's a Rorschach painting, it's a, you know, yeah. it's a Rorschach yeah. thing, like, I don't want that in the middle of my film. A film tells a story, I don't want to have, like, pause in the middle of it and be like, oh, now I need to interpret this, like, mm-hmm. it should just tell a story. Let's talk about the length of the film. Okay. Is it two and a half hours? It I is thought, two and a half I thought hours. it was free. I originally thought it was free, but it was two and a half days. Um, <laughs> is that necessary? No, but... Cool. Uh, <laughs> Good. Thank you. Moving on. <laughs> no, wait. Because <laughs> I'll tell you for why I asked that. Yeah. So Susie, mm-hmm. as I keep forgetting her name. Susie Bunyan. 
Susie Bunyan, played by Dakota Johnson. Fun fact. Yeah. Well, fun fact. It's like having a fact about a tsunami. It's like, <laughs> it's a fact, but could it be fun? It's probably not. Fun fact. Dakota Johnson did two years of ballet training yeah. for this film. There's a few moments where she's about to dance and they just cut away. Okay. It's a bit like, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> In terms of the length, no, it's not necessary, but... Cool, it's... thank you. No, um, no, anyway, it's, move... not, it's not stopping there. <laughs> We're not stopping there. It's not necessary. It's uh, but... episode title. Dan says the film's too long. It's I... unnecessarily long. I said the episode titles, goddammit. <laughs> um, it's not that kind of movie where it's like a very tightly told story. Yeah. You know? It's Certainly of... not. It's kind of a movie where you get into it and it's, yeah, as I said, hypnotic and intrinsic and that word doesn't make sense. In that way, yes, it is necessary for the way they want to tell this story and the the emotions they want to get into you. The reason I ask is because Susie lands in Germany or something Mm -hmm. and they show her entire journey in real time. From, not from, real time. From the airport to her getting to the thing. Not real time. Yeah. I will come back to that because I have a note further down that kind of sums that up better. It shows her... Is she in an airport? Is it the airport? She there's an airport and there's a, it's an airport, an underground station then, as well. Yeah, there's an airport, then outside the airport, then the underground station, then walking from the underground station. Berlin then, Wall. Then walking down the street. Then she gets to the... You can see Berlin and how Berlin is coping with the, you know, crisis. Okay, okay, okay. well, uh, that's fine. Uh, that's going to come up again later. Okay. <laughs> well, they have to play out the Tom York music. Tom York. Tom York. <laughs> Write your name correctly, goddammit. Tom York. Well, he I'm he didn't call name you. himself. People don't name themselves. He can spell his name how he wants to. Yeah, but that's not his name. His name is Tom. His name is Tom. Not Thomas. I'm asking. Oh, I don't know. I think it's Tom. I would pronounce it Tom York. Well, he writes his Tom York, so I'm well, going to call it. That's his name. Um, he, this, is his, uh, this is his debut movie score. Is it really? Yeah. There's a co-composer that I don't know who helped him, who been in the industry before. But yeah, this is his first film score. And I really like it. I listen to it all the time. Okay. One kind of regret I have is we put on the subtitles, because I remember this is like a mumbly movie. And the lyrics are not what I thought they were, <laughs> like, at all. <laughs> and in my head, the lyrics are much cooler <laughs> and much more interesting. But I like that song okay. at the beginning. I do hate it when that happens. I never look up lyrics for things if I can avoid it. Yeah. Whoops. That's a win forever. <laughs> the music was good. Yay! That was, that's, that's, you know. You like the thum, thumbs? <laughs> thumb thumb. Cool. Right, so she finally makes it to the academy yeah. after three days of travelling that we see all of. Uh, then auditions for the part. Round three. Fight! At this point, I noticed it keeps happening. There's like weird 80s style zoom-ins. Is it like Hitchcock style, would you say? Or would you... A snap zoom. Okay. And it again felt very like 80s, very, very throwback. Mm. Why? I don't know. Why not? Yeah, what if we throw in these 80s zoom-ins in our 2018 film? Let's not shoot it properly. Let's do it handheld zoom-in cameras because we're artistic. What's, what's properly? If they shot everyone like uh, above waist to the head and you think the most proper film is like... A proper film is one that you don't notice that somebody's holding the camera. No. That's the point of a proper that's film. That's not... Apart true. from like found footage and all that kind no, of stuff. No, that's not necessarily Or like true. action scenes and that kind of thing. But that's if someone walks into a lobby 
and you've got a camera shake like veers off slightly to the right as you zoom in and they have to correct it to zoom in on fucking what's her face Tilda Swinton it wasn't that then <laughs> then that's bad that's a bad filmmaking no. and you've left and you've made that decision just to be different no finish him yes <laughs> <laughs> that's the style of the movie bad <laughs> poorly made <laughs> uh, you're gonna wear me down <laughs> fatality Normally, with films like Mulholland Drive and that, I try to be kind of like respectful because I know it has a, a cult following. I didn't like it. This has a cult following, kind of. It does, but like most of the time in this podcast, I try to be as respectful as my brain lets me be. <laughs> on this one, I just can't. Okay. I, ju- I just can't fathom. The, I disagree the... with you on the you should never notice the cameraman. Yeah. I think the cameraman himself could be a character in terms of sometimes you putting yourself into the movie the snap zoom is a stylistic representation of you are shocked you're noticing something something stands out etc that's fine if you have established shots of like a person standing in that location but if you scope around an empty room and then you have that then it doesn't work they walk in and there's like two people in the lobby there's the lady on receptionist and there's one walking down the stairs yeah and then it cuts to like does the zoom in doesn't just do it then it does it multiple times i think it, it in zooms a... in tilda swinton right yeah it's supposed to accentuate the way that she's uh, noticing this girl that's it okay so she does her dance yeah so Susie bunyan <laughs> um doesn't have any bunions thankfully we would have seen that the audition where there's no music yes yes okay great scene yeah, that's okay is that the best we're gonna get it's yeah, okay it's okay it's yeah. an interesting scene when you're like just no music. Yeah. It, it kind of makes sense as well. It's like, you should keep time in your head and then you should be able to kind of emote the same feelings without the music in your dance. They do that quite a lot, apparently, in yeah. like musicals. Mm-hmm. Or if there's like a musical number in an episode, mm-hmm. they won't have any music Yeah. As, as, they, as they film it. It makes sense. If it doesn't work without the music, it shouldn't work. Hmm. Yeah. Cool, so she gets accepted to Mm. the Witches Academy. (laughs) Spoiler alert. (laughs) (laughs) Spoiler alert. First five seconds of the movie. There's witches! There's fucking witches! Yeah, but at at least at the start of the movie, there's the question of whether or not she's imagining they're witches because she's clearly insane or there is actually witches. Right, so Mia Goff comes in. Yay, Mia Goff! We love Mia Goff. We are the Mia Goff fan club. In the backdrop of this film, there's the completely irrelevant something to do with hostages, bombs, RAF, and stuff. No. It, it keeps mentioning it, and it doesn't come up in the actual plot of the film at all, apart from the fact that Patricia might have left because of it. Right. So, do you remember Atomic Blonde? Yes. Do you remember... Uh, it's the same thing that happens there, which is there is a uprising around the Berlin Wall, mm-hmm. and there's just general unrest. Yeah. It serves the same purpose, which no. is it does. It doesn't. It does. It doesn't because in Atomic Blonde, she has to cross the Berlin Wall like dangerously. It sets up action scenes. It sets up the scene with a car where she drives it into the Berlin Wall, and it's a spy film about the time of that the Cold War. Again, it's... you're focusing on the very, very practical things. Yes. I think in Atomic Blonde, 
the real purpose of the Berlin Wall and the general unrest and the general unrest is like shooting up as the movie keeps going and the tension keeps going. That was the point of paralleling tensions. And this same point here, which is the tension rises up as the movie's tension rises up. I don't think it's the same. I don't. I think a film about spies where the Berlin Wall frequently becomes a scene in the film Mm -hmm. is different from the Berlin Wall is happening outside of this dance academy that you're having a film in. That's not entirely true. Because... The the, the one guy has a holiday home on the other side of the Berlin Wall. That is the only time it comes up. (laughs) That's not true. First of all, that's not true. Because he lost his loved one because of the war and the Berlin Wall separated them and that's a big part of the movie. Yeah. Secondly, and almost quite comically... The Berlin Wall is right next to the Dance Academy, so you can constantly see it, and it's constantly there and constantly reminding you of this kind of unrest. So it's not just that it's next to it, it's right there, and every time you cut to the Dance Academy, you see the Berlin Wall. But if that wasn't in it, the film wouldn't have changed for me at all. Well, it's a a symbolic motif. Okay. (laughs) That's that's the argument, and... uh... We're in like, oh, we're about to start Act 2 of five. Five, yeah. I think it is. Yeah. Now, the title for Act 2 is Palace of Tears. And I've written Sigh. Right, so here we go again. Mm. I think this is where the old guy travels from east to west Berlin for his holiday home. And there are nine different shots of him walking. Loneliness. Yes, which we established earlier, because he's got an empty office. Really lonely. (laughs) There was nine different shots. Nine. And they're all about 10 to 15 seconds long. And it's just him walking down pathways. (laughs) Oh, my God. And then, oh, my God, this is my next day. Because it's nine different shots of him, and he goes to his holiday home, and he just sits there and eats a sandwich, and then it just cuts back to the dance thing. He just sits there and eats a sandwich. The whole scene was setting up him eating a sandwich. <laughs> so as we said, he lost his loved one and that was their holiday home. And that's where it's etched in that yeah, his, yeah. his name plus the loved one's name in the wall. And we focus quite clearly on that. So the long way there is kind of saying, oh, he's really longing for this person. He, he wants to go the extra mile, you know, like, and then... Just being there, I guess, gives him calm. So there is a reason for it. The whole scene is about longing. <laughs> this is the last episode of I Hate You Movie. <laughs> so just a bit of history. When we started the podcast, the reason we started the podcast is we watched a film called Pig. And this is pretty much how that discussion went, where I was just so infuriatingly full of hate <laughs> for that film. And Dan sat there and desperately tried to explain to me why it's not a bad film and why the director's done what he's done. And I just don't care. Like it's, okay. it's, I, don't, I don't care what the director's tried to do. He's made a pile of crap, <laughs> in my opinion. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm explaining to the audience. <laughs> Good. I'm glad. I'm defending the movie. So, after the guy eats his sandwich, a really important scene. Susie's in the company now. Yeah. And she she's been introduced to everyone. Everyone's really friendly, apart from Olga. Olga's freaking out because she didn't like that Patricia's gone. And she's suspicious of what happened to her. She is superior of what happened to her. <laughs> so yeah, she freaks out and leaves. She's like, basically, there's this elephant in the room of why Patricia's left. Mm. She thinks that the elders are kind of covering it up which they are, 
spoiler alert, and she leaves the room, and she was going to be first lead, I think. Yes. She was going to be was. first lead in the dance, and the elders are looking around the room, kind of, who's going to do it? Does anyone want to do it? They think they look at Sarah, and she's kind of like, oh, I'm not already sure, and they look at Susie, or no, Su- they don't even look at Susie, but Susie's like, I know the dance, Yeah, I, I've done it before, mm-hmm. and... The- Everyone looks at each other like, what, this bitch? <laughs> but they give her a chance, and Tilda Swinton, at this point, as Madame Blanc, Madame Blanc is the leader of the dance company, yes. kind of like touches her feet, touches her hands, yeah. and they glow, because, you know, and they glow at this point. Are they witches? Aren't they witches? Your hands are glowing, maybe. I think they're witches. <laughs> I think we can safely say I think, they're witches. Yeah, I think they're witches at this point, but it's fine, because even though her hands are glowing, no one's noticed. And then, so she dances this dance... By the way, I don't have a problem with interpretive dance. Mm-hmm. I think if some other people watch this film, if you generally tend to side with me on the discussions of what's good and what's bad, I actually challenge you to watch this film. <laughs> I challenge you to watch this film. If you watch this film all the way through, send us a picture of the end credits <laughs> and send me your address, I will send you a gold star. <laughs> but... Anyway, point I was trying to make is I think that's going to be another turnoff for a lot of people in mm-hmm. the kind of like interpretive dance is always kind of like the butt of the joke okay. when it comes to communication. It's, it's the most pretentious art form. Yeah, but it's also kind of like if you're making fun of someone for not being able to communicate, it's always the butt of like, why don't you do it through interpretive dance? <laughs> okay. I think it works in this. Yes. Uh, the reason it works in this, I think it's clear by the end of a movie is these witches, they don't say spells or anything, mm-hmm. but they do their spells through dancing. Yeah. And this is my favorite scene in the movie, which is, yeah, she touches Susie's hands and feet, and they glow. And it's intercutting with Olga running out. Yep. And then someone's calling her as she's running out, so she goes into the... It's an empty dance room from earlier, full of mirrors, which is a cool location. And as Susie dances... Olga starts uncontrollably twisting and moving around, which is the implication is that the spell that Madame Blanc put on her was kind of this puppet master. I'm not sure this works out, but I always imagine that she put Susie's feet to correlate with Olga's hand and like that, and that's why she's twisting around and kind of breaking herself. I'm not sure about the feet and hands thing, but it's definitely like Susie spins round to the right and then does a little jump, and then Olga spins round to the right in a much more twisted way and crashes into the wall. Yeah, yeah, and it's a brutal scene. Yeah. I think they had a contortionist to do it. Yes, that is exactly what I've written down. In your Suspiria. (laughs) <laughs> the end of it her foot is by her ear oh. via her back and then you can see like body popping like, yeah. as she contorting like her, like her shoulder blade comes out it's awful and she pisses herself mm-hmm. and it's like oh and she's alive after all that she's yeah that was the thing as well like I really thought she was dead at the end but oh. then they walk up to her afterwards and she's like Ugh. yeah I think that's the best scene on the movie, and it's that's one of the disappointing things in this. The ending it doesn't really follow that. I don't think. No, I think at that point you show a really kind of like menacing scene that kind of shows the results of of their witchcraft, and you, yeah. and you really kind of shocks you into it. But then, like you say, the rest of the film doesn't really have that. No, unfortunately. 
I really don't like the film. But at this point, I was a bit interested. Mm-hmm. You know, I, you've gone through the first bit, and okay, I think I could have survived the start. And if the film carried on like it was in this scene, I wouldn't have so much hatred for it. And I mm-hmm. certainly wouldn't have so much hatred for the first scenes. The first scenes mirror everything after this point. It's very slow, very yeah. kind of, you have to figure it out for yourself. And when you do, it's not that interesting. Talk to me a little bit about the nightmares that they all have. Susie's nightmare at this point. She's having a nightmare of a woman screaming, a hand on the table, an iron being wielded, and blood on the wall. Mm-hmm. Is that a memory? Is that, like... Good question. No, I think as they imply, it happens to everyone. But I think it's probably the witches kind of manipulating and... Is it kind of to show they have, like, they're almost getting kind of like a collective mind at this point? Because they all share nightmares. That's definitely the most interpretable portion of the movie. Uh, they're being manipulated throughout the film, the older girls, and they're being lied to. And maybe all that, like, evil, whatever you want to call it, energy kind of leaks out at night into their dreams. Okay. So that's how I kind of interpreted it. Fair enough. I, I like the imagery. Those kind of dreams and the contortionist scene are like the most horrific things in the movie, for yeah. sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And again, it sets it up early for the rest of the film to be like that, and it doesn't deliver. Again, it's more about the mood and the kind of feel and what you take out of it. Cool. So as well as Olga being suspicious about what happened to Patricia, uh, Sarah is also a little bit suspicious about what happened to Patricia, and she enlists Susie's help to try and get into the records of the Dance Academy so that she can pretty much see what happened. Yeah. Yeah, so at first the psychologist approaches Sarah and says, look, I've got Patricia's journal. It says all this crazy shit. I don't really believe in the crazy shit, but I think that maybe some criminal activity going on here and tries to get Sarah's help. But Sarah's not convinced. But later on, Sarah finds all this weird shit and then goes back to the doctor. Yeah. I like the little switcheroo of main characters because you kind of feel like Dakota Johnson is the main character. And like for the first one third, maybe a bit more, she is. But then it kind of becomes Sarah's story. Susie Banyan, Dakota Johnson, Susie Banyan. She starts to become mysterious as well and not like how a main character should be, you know, you completely with them. As clearly she's like hiding something and going along with the witches. And yeah. at that point Sarah kind of feels in that protagonist role. Yeah. So the old man goes to the police, he says that there's something dodgy going on in the academy. The police then show up and wanna look around and the witches are quite inviting, they let them in. But then you see the police, you see them frozen in time. Yeah. And they're just standing there and they've taken off their police's trousers and they're all sitting around laughing at his That's dick. at the same time Susie and Sarah are looking at the... Yeah, looking in the records. Well, mostly Patricia's Sarah members. looking at the records and then Susie is just kind of just hanging around. Yeah. And then she looks in the room and there's the two policemen, like, trousers down and the witches are laughing at their penises <laughs> and they're, like, making cutting motions with their little hook blade towards their penises. This scene is quite comical, not just for that, but because you've got Susie and Sarah sneaking around, but they're wearing heels on a marble floor. (laughs) (laughs) And they're sneaking around, and he's like... 
<laughs> marble floors in a giant like open room. They're dancers, you know? They're dancers. You, you wear your dance shoes. <laughs> I didn't notice that part. But I always felt like the witches are kind of already know that they're like snooping around. Okay. And because they don't find the papers, so they're already expecting something, you know, to be out of place. And because of the small group and it's kind of hard to get people into the dance group and it's hard to train them on the dance, that's because they let them snoop around a little bit. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. This is the third dance scene, I guess, where Madame Blanc comes in and is like, oh, let's improvise something. Let's forget about the dance we rehearsed and let's uh, improvise something. I think because... That's it. Let's impro- we're starting a new piece and yeah. it's about rebirth. It's about rebirth. I think because Madame Blanc at this point realises that Susie is kind of, might be like some magic weirdo and this is why i think the witches do spells by dancing it's because i think she feels some kind of energy from her dancing and then she kind of wants to see what she can do on her own that's my interpretation i thought of it more of kind of like because the old witches never dance yeah i thought they run this dance academy because you can tell who's connected to this witchy sense by them dancing Uh, okay no i don't think so i think they're witches, but not in a Harry Potter sense of waving a wand around or something. But I think they just do spells and do magic by making other people dance. I don't know why they don't do themselves, but I, that's. That but I don't think they, they. I don't think they dance to do the spells, which is what kind of you implied earlier. I think the so. spells through dance, but the so. old people never dance, but they do lots of spells. Yeah, it's the opposite. Because the people who can't do spells are dancing yeah. and the people who do spells aren't dancing. Yeah, at the end, some of them dance, at the very end. Okay, yeah. yeah. So, I don't know. If you call that dancing. <laughs> um, uh, the, I think the point of this scene is to introduce Marcos. Yeah, uh, Madame Marcos, who's the kind of unseen leader or owner of the group. The dance group is called the Marcos Dance Group. Yep. We only see her hand, which is this creepy... Goopy. Yeah. Creepy witch hand. Yeah, creepy witch hand touching the floor under Susie Banyan as she's riding around, <laughs> <laughs> uh, wriggling around. Yeah, I think what this film, depending on what you watch the film for, I think this film does really well at keeping the dance sexual but not sexy. Mm-hmm. Doesn't feel like exploitative at any point. No, I think that house that most of the cast is women no but you know you could have had like uh to represent like someone being bewitched you could have had mm-hmm. them do this like actually sexy dance yeah yeah yeah. I'm but just... it's not that it's more like it's suggestive yeah yeah i just had a light bulb moment by the way okay i think i realized why tilda swinton is a man makeup i think they wanted all the main cast to be women okay i think i just realized that we actually missed the title that was act three borrowing which is a much better title for an act. And now we go to Act 4, Taking. <laughs> and I've written down, if it gets to Act 13, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> Can I talk about a very mean thing? One of the witches are very unfortunate looking. She looks like a man. What? <laughs> you know that all the witches, they're like old women, and one of them looks like, in Life of Brian, Brian's mother... Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, exactly. Poor woman. And at the end, she's the one who's doing the deep singing. 
I thought that was a dude at the end. No, as a woman. That's okay. what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. You but get... it's properly like, oh. Well, yeah, proper, yeah. But she was a woman. Okay. <laughs> I did think it was weird that in a dance company full of women, that there was just some random one guy singing. There's loads of witches. There's like a dozen of them or more. Yeah. And there is a divide in the group between Madame Blanc and Madame Marcos. Yep. It's about who is the new leader. Yep. At some point they have a vote in a scene I'm sure you loved where we see none of them speaking mm-hmm. and we just hear... Just them walking around the kitchen. Walking around the kitchen and who votes for who. You get to see some real tight action shots of a sink. <laughs> Loving those kitchen table close-ups. <laughs> Marcos wins by three. Yep. Also, at this point, they do mention that they think Mana Marcos is not just a witch, but some sort of reincarnation of some ancient... Um, uh, the trio. It's the demon. Trio one of, of the trios. Okay. Uh, Madame Superiorum. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised I could say that. Yeah. <laughs> demon of uh, size, which is S-I-G-H. I think it implies, like, the mother of suffering, really. <laughs> Okay. And like sadness and longing kind of all those together. Yeah. It's the um, film of size. And that's why I think they vote for Marcos. Even though Madame Blanc does everything. Yeah. Madame Blanc throughout this is kind of like hesitant. It's never really clear what they're sizing Susie up for. But it seems to be some kind of sacrifice. And they say it at the end. Yeah, they say that Susie is supposed to be the new body for Madame Marcos. Uh, okay. That she gets reborn in. Okay. And that's what the whole ceremony is for. Fine. Right. Fine. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, but Madame Blanc doesn't want Susie to go through. At this point, you don't know what they're sacrificing her for. But, yeah. You know. Yeah, well, either Madame Blanc just doesn't want a new Madame Marcos who's younger and more capable. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah, that's probably it, to be fair. She's Game of Thrones in it. She's like skeeving in behind the scenes. This is where we have the jumping. Yeah. Good scene. Yep. For those who are listening, I cut that pause shorter. <laughs> <laughs> Don't leave it in. I don't want to experience this. Again, you kind of see a glimpse of their witchy powers in that Madame Blanc. Because there's someone good at jumping yes. in the background. She gives her jumping powers. She does. She <laughs> robs the jumping powers from the jumping girl and gives it to Susie, who can then jump. Yeah. It still takes a while for her to jump. Yeah. Yeah. But then the jumping girl has a seizure because mm-hmm. so, she's unwell. She's allergic to her jumping powers being taken away. Well, yeah. You wouldn't like that either. They take away your jumping. <laughs> My next note is... More hostage stuff on the radio. Is this ever going to be relevant? <laughs> was my note. Yes. No. It's relevant throughout. This is where my notes really start to devolve into, <laughs> into just hatred. Vitriol? Is that a word? Yeah. Uh, there's one like, more element to this, which is, I said it's supposed to mirror the tension that happens in the dance group. Yeah. That happens outside the dance group. But it also... There is an implied connection there, which is they do talk about that the last time the dance group was this active was during the war, World War Two, mm-hmm. And it's kind of implied that they... Are Nazis. Yeah, that too. Well, it's kind of muddled because they do say that oh, the regime hated women and this was a safe house for women. But I think that's just the front. 
Okay. And to control women even more. I think it's just maybe they get more power when there's more suffering in the world or the vice versa or they cause suffering in the world. I'm not sure. Okay. But yeah, there's definitely a connection there. Well, you use the word definitely like it's it, true. No, that's your opinion. <laughs> yeah, but guess, you, like you can't talk earlier in the podcast and and say, "Oh, there's no way we could know what the director's intention was." Absolutely, uh, but now you're saying it's definitely like this, but it's not definitely anything. Okay. It's it, that's your opinion. It is my opinion, <laughs> but I think it's very clear. It's clear to you because it's your yeah. opinion. But it also, it's a, it's an artistic it's an artistic piece of media. It's every everything is subjective. Exactly, it's subjective. So there's not definitely. So yeah, my notes start to kind of devolve a little bit here. <laughs> and this is where Sarah has lunch with the old guy. Yeah. Dr. Klemper, and she basically tells him to do one. Sarah's fully drinking the Kool-Aid at this point. She is part of the crew, but she hasn't really questioned anything yet. Tilda Swinton mm-hmm. as Madame Blanc is talking to Susie about what body part she wants to be in the company. Oh yeah, yeah. That's uh, a good thing. And she wants to be the company's hands. Yeah, because she wants to do stuff. She's ready to give up her ego for the company. And at this point, she, yeah, as you said, she drank the Kool Aid completely. <laughs> at this point, completely on board of the witches' plan, whatever they're planning, even though she doesn't know. Sarah, at this point, falls asleep. I, I didn't understand why, because Sarah falls asleep. There's the character we haven't mentioned in this before. I, I don't. I can't find her on any of the casting things, but there's a woman in like big glasses. Oh yeah. Who kind of sits on the sidelines. I'm not even sure she has any dialogue. No, I don't think so. Um, she must have voted at some point, but like you said, you don't see the vote, so you don't see her mm-hmm. say anything. Yeah. But she generally tends to sense if something's wrong. I think at one point it might even be the scene where the girl's getting thrown around the room. Yes, but you see she, her crying. Yeah, we, saw, we cut her to her crying. Yeah, yeah so she's, she's she's the only witch with a conscience. Yeah, she definitely seems more connected yeah. emotionally to what's going on with the girls. And at this point, Sarah has a dream. And I'm not sure what the dream is about because I haven't written it down. But maybe she's just kind of like thrashing her asleep or something. And the glasses lady is sitting at the table... They're just talking about random things and she picks up a knife and just stabs herself in the neck yeah. and dies on the table. Yeah. Cool. Why? Protest. Protest. Yeah. <laughs> True, <laughs> truly valuable scene then. <laughs> it's not very expanded in the movie, but yeah, you see that she's she's crying at um, the girl's, the Olga's death and she's generally looks down to herself but not talk too much. I guess it could imply that like leaving's not an option. Like, once you're in, you're in. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's for sure. I was thinking she was just trying to cause disruption. Okay. Because she knows that if she voices dissent, then she's just going to be kicked out or killed. So, in this way, she can cause some chaos, at least. Yeah. So, Goff, at this point, is fully suspicious. Like you said, she becomes, at this point, the protagonist in the film. And she starts to look around the dance studio a bit more. She's spoken to the psychiatrist. He says there's loads of hidden rooms yeah. in and around the place. I thought this was quite clever, actually. She starts counting steps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she, from her room or wherever she starts, she counts steps from one wall to the stairway. And then she goes down the stairway and counts them back and realizes that 
because of the step, there's a hidden room. Yeah. So she finds the hidden room. Yeah, and she knocks on the on the mirror. Yeah. Although it's a hidden room. Yeah, and she goes down the spiral staircase. What does she see? Does she see anything in terms of people in this? She sees the woman stab herself, or at least the aftermath of it. Okay, yeah, right. Yeah, she's in this kind of like weird antique collection room. Yeah. And she finds the hook. They use the hook when the contortionist lady died. They use the hook to pick her up and t- carry her out of the room. I don't think we oh, mentioned yeah. that. Oh, that's such a good scene. It's the best scene in the film. I'll give yeah. you that. Yeah, yeah it's good. Yeah. She finds the hook and she goes to see the psychiatrist. And this is my favourite bit of dialogue in the film. Oh, in a, in a bad way? No, in genuine. Oh. In an actual genuine way. Okay. So they're talking and uh, they're talking about Patricia. It comes up that Patricia's delusional. Mm-hmm. And I think he says, wish I'd looked it up. I wish I could quote it directly. But he says something along the lines of, well... Just because you're delusional doesn't mean you're crazy. If you manage to give everyone else your delusions, that's called religion. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They do draw parallels to cults as well a lot. Yeah, yeah. Which is, yeah, makes sense. I think this is why the, he's interested anyway. So Sarah then goes back to the dance academy. She goes down that secret room again and she finds Patricia. Yeah, so she walks down this hallway and she finds Patricia. She's like her skin turned grey and she's old and then she's crawled up in an embryo pose against the wall and she says she doesn't want to leave this movie is not very exploitative because we see the grossest tits of it. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so saggy and so grey and zombie like is she the only one down there? There's a few down no, there, isn't there? No, there is Olga, who's surprisingly still alive. Really? Yeah, they cut off her limbs. Oh, was that Olga, is it? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was. And as Sarah is trying to escape from them, she steps into a hole in the ground. Yeah, meanwhile, upstairs in the main room, they've started the dance. This is the public dance. Yes. That they were preparing for, for the public. Yeah, Sarah steps into this hole and then she very very gory way she breaks her yeah um, shin yeah Ugh. props to the special effects yeah. guy bone sticking out and everything Ugh. and it's very yeah it's very visceral <laughs> and then yeah meanwhile the dance is going on and they have these very interesting clothes yep in quotation marks the strings it's just a bunch of ropes yeah bunch of ropes and like a pair of granny panties yeah but they look cool that was used like mainly in most of the marketing of the film. Yeah. It was like them in the rope. If I can nitpick this movie. Go on. This amazing movie. One nitpick I have, these ropes hang down so much and they flail around so much and they never practice in them. So like Yeah. They could have they could have just... Yeah, I thought that as well. Like it's gonna swing around and hit him in the eye. Yeah, and like wrap <laughs> around the neck. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they look cool, so you know. There's that. And also, at this scene, I was a bit confused that they're not freaking out that their second main dancer is just... There's someone completely missing, missing and they haven't yeah. got anyone to replace them. Yeah, yeah. But that's fine, we're just going to do the dance about them. It seems odd. It does, but I guess they're confident. I think this is why I thought that they already know that Sarah's snooping around. Okay. And they let her. Because they immediately find her and zombify her. Well, heal her. they immediately find her because she's screaming because her leg's broken. Yeah, that that too. But they don't seem like shocked or like, oh my god, Sarah, what are you doing here? Yeah, true. And they heal her. And... They half heal her. Because she's still yeah. got a big bone in her shin yeah. that's sticking out of her shin, hasn't yeah. she? Yeah. 
Well, that was a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> they should have gone all the way. They hypnotize her. Yeah. Mia Goth, great performance. She's like completely just dead-eyed. Some of it is the contact lenses, but still. she's just great in everything she does. Yeah. And then she, Sarah, joins the dance, zombified. So you said earlier about like, oh, they're not worried about the someone missing. I think it's probably from an audience perspective, you wouldn't know. Like it's an interpretive dance troupe. Yeah. If someone was missing, you'd be like, yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sarah joins the dance and then she breaks her shin again while dancing. So in the next scene, Susie and Madame Blanc start talking telepathically. Yes. And in French. Did you notice, by the way, the subtitles? Yeah, so there's red for German. Yeah. And then blue for French. For French, yeah. That was quite clever. Is it? Well, it's implied early that to be a dancer, you have to know French. Yeah. So the more Susie talks French throughout the film, you kind of get the impression that she's becoming more of a dancer and therefore more into the cult. But why the subtitles are clever? I thought Because that... I couldn't tell the difference between okay. German and French. Really? They sound completely different. They do sound completely different, but everything's spoken in this kind of like soft tone. Okay. If someone's shouting German, mm-hmm. you can very much tell. You know, if someone's reciting the words to 99 Red Balloons to you, <laughs> then it's about the same. The 99 Red Balloons. I actually thought that she learning French was too sudden, and I think there was a spell or slash witches skill they I gave, thought it was but... like a collective mind kind of thing. Because now they're talking telepathically. Mm-hmm. You know, you can kind of pick things up for each yeah. other easier. Maybe she stole the French from another dancer. Like the jumping. <laughs> it <was> hands. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's got a glowy brain of uh, learning French hands. Yeah, French hands. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know German, but uh, all the German and French sounded very authentic. Yeah. Again, Tilda Swinton had to do old man voice and German. And she spoke a lot as a, a psychologist old man. She should have gotten some sort of Oscar or Golden Globe or whatever for this. Golden Globe. What's that? Is that not a movie thing? I think that's a TV thing. Oh, okay. Well, still, just give her anything. Give her the Purple Heart. <laughs> the Purple Heart. <laughs> Act 6. The last one. Suspiriorium or whatever. Suspiriorium. Suspiriorium. Okay. Suspiriorium. When he goes to dinner, we're here over it and I'm glad there's subtitles. It gives me something to look at. <laughs> so mean so mean (sighs) with Sarah missing now and Susie not willing to help the psychiatrist Dr. Klemperer throws the hook in the river Mm -hmm. because he's given up he's giving up on his his search for the truth also he wants to hide evidence okay I think that's more of it to be fair because he well I think this is where kind of Patricia's story comes in where they say Patricia joined this kind of terrorist organization or whatever Mm -hmm. or that's the rumor and so he's like oh fuck fuck her shit then he also throws in a duffel bag full of her stuff oh that was in the duffel bag yeah. Oh, because she left it in the corner of the room right at the start of the film. Yeah, you see. Okay. Best film ever. <laughs> there was the point of that yeah, shot exactly. staring at the duffel bag for five seconds. You see. <laughs> it all comes back around. The chair has a big part to play in yeah. this film. People have to sit. And the kitchen sink that we saw earlier yeah. comes back with a vengeance. They have to show everything. It's in the sequel. Everything but the kitchen sink. <laughs> Again, it does come up. I'll give you some credit. The guy goes to his holiday home again. 
This time we just see him at his holiday home. We don't see the journey, which is good. And his wife's there. Yeah. Yay. A long lost wife after like 30 years or more. Played by... Tilda Swinton. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Played by the original Susie Banyan. Yeah, I did read that. That's quite cool. That's a fun fact. Did you read that fun fact that she didn't speak German when she accepted the role and she lied? Yes, I did read that. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) She lied that she spoke German (laughs) just so that she can get the role. She was convincing. So they, yeah, set up this long-lost wife that he, Dr. Clamper, was longing for and being lonely for and kind of being nostalgic for all this time. And he always wanted to find out what happened to her. He drops little clues at the police. Well, thank you for looking for her and that kind of stuff. And then all of a sudden she's there. And, you know, he didn't know if she was alive or she was dead. And they have this nice little moment when they talk about where were you, this and that, and then... They go through the border. That should have been the clue that there's something going on. And uh, they slowly go embracing each other and everything. And then they arrive at the dance academy. And that's where Dr. Clamper lets her go and just walks ahead a bit and looks at the dance academy. He's like, why are we here? Yeah. And then he looks back and she's not there anymore. And she was never there. And I was all fucking witches fucking with him. Which is great. And then you have like that bit where they come out and they're like, nah, 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 nah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that was a funny moment. They go out. Nah, 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 nah. That very much reminded me of like a David Lynch kind of <laughs> yeah, that old w- people coming out of a carrier bag kind of. It was like that. It was especially coming towards a camera. Yeah. Screaming is very David Lynchian. Yeah, you're right. They kidnap the old man, undress him to his prosthetic penis that Tilda Swinton really wanted. He said, I'm not playing an old man unless I've got a prosthetic penis. Really? Yeah, that's in the that's in the <laughs> Susprivia. Susprivia. <laughs> it did mention early in the film that whatever the film was leading to would need a witness. Yes. So they chose him as the witness. Yeah. For the big finale. Yay. You know there's nothing I love more than being in a room with people watching a film when everyone on the screen's naked. <laughs> Yeah, it still wasn't exploited. No, it wasn't. And again, it was sexual, but not sexy. Some of the oldies were naked as well. Mm. And that wasn't particularly sexy. And there wasn't uh, close-ups or anything like that. It was all background and wailing around. Okay, so I I promise not to bite your head off this time. Explain to me all the themes and all of the things to do with this scene. I think the theme kind of conclusion comes later. Okay. Actually. But I can explain what happens. Okay. So, yeah, they set up this ritual. Everyone's naked. There's blood everywhere. There's uh, Dr. Clamper naked. He's the witness. And then Susie comes down. We finally see Madame Marcos. Yes. Who reveals all the plan. Is like, oh, I'm going to be reborn into you. I am Mother Superiorum. Uh, we can hear Madame Blanc saying, oh, I don't think it's you. <laughs> <laughs> And then this is how the descent comes out. Um, Marcos is wearing some cool sunglasses, by the way. Yeah, also played by Tilda Swinton. Mm -hmm. And yeah, she has a very interesting... She almost looks like an even grosser version of Despair from Sandman. Okay, yeah. This this fat, kind of gross-looking, barely-alive thing. Leathery-skinned. Yeah, kind of like a a mix between Doctor Octopus and Despair. (laughs) 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 And yeah. She reveals she has this big ego on her, which is like, yes, this is definitely gonna happen. We're gonna I'm gonna reborn and this and that. And then Susie seemingly go away, go for this plan. Madame Marcos 
again very egotistically say you have to kill your mother yes so she kind of thinks back death to any mother death to any mother she kind of thinks back on her own which we see in the first one of the first scenes of her own mother she's ill and she's breathing bad on the bed and then she dies at that point i feel like something goes wrong we don't know what happens but creature comes out from the basement like this black creature oh yeah i yeah. forgot about that yeah this like black creature comes out of the basement and just starts blowing everyone's head off who voted for marcos instead of blank kills marcos but before that susie says something like i am she i am mother superiorum i am the one you thought you were i'm the real g <laughs> did um as Blank had her head partially chopped off at this point. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Marcos order Blank's death. Yeah. yeah. There, there can be only one or something like that. <laughs> and here we are, <laughs> the princess of the universe. It's <laughs> <Just> lightning. <laughs> but yeah, she becomes nearly headless Blank. Nearly headless Blank. <laughs> yeah. That is a comically funny scene when they like <laughs> put her head back and she's like, what the fuck? <laughs> she gets partly decapitated because she spoke up. I think she played the game up until then quite cleverly. And, yeah. But she really doesn't want this to happen. So she has a big mouth on her now. And yeah, this creature comes, blows everyone's head off and then disappears. Uh, there's one thing I don't like in this scene, mm-hmm. which is the this smearing effect. I think it's a high shutter speed. On the camera and it has this like smearing effect and everyone's blurry as fuck okay yeah i think yeah. it was partly done because of this to hide the special effects okay but i just don't like it and this is partially why i don't like this scene that much because it's kind of ugly and and murky susie after she reveals she's the demon mother mother yep. superior we see flashbacks as well that she was yeah circling berlin and there's there's little hints throughout the movie that she was always wanted to come here yeah yeah as a kid she was like on the map like yeah going to berlin and yeah that. go to berlin she saw madame blanc perform and that kind of stuff so she's always like kind of destined to come here so she kills everyone who voted for marcos because she thought she's the mother but she's not she's the fake mother she goes up to all the three girls, Patricia, Olga and Sarah, and asks them individually, what do you want? Why you ask for? And they say death. And she kills them. Yeah. In a kind of mercy way. Yeah, they just kind of fall to the floor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Team doesn't really accentuate in this part. I think it's more about kind of just a subversion of you think she's a protagonist but she's the kind of antagonist i guess she's I, the bad guy she's, she's the, the i guess she's so. the demon bad guy yeah. that everyone was worried about yeah i guess it's more about like how everyone's just so egotistical and thinking they're the big deal and then they're wrong why <laughs> i mean I, I it would have been ridiculous if it had this bond ending where the bad guy sits and reveals all their plans that were there all along but it just, none of it makes sense to me. Like, not even a little bit. Why? Because... It's set up that she always wanted to go to Berlin. There's little hints like that. But then why is there a demon? Why are people dancing funny? Why are they... <laughs> why are they... They're why, still on Why the is she nearly chopped off the other one's head? Why do people's heads explode? What's the creature? How has she now got the power to kill people at will? What? <laughs> 
And what is the actual story there? Like, what is it trying to say? The actual story, though, is it's kind of a lot. Um, okay, talk about how it's like. I, you know, I apologize for cutting you off earlier. No, no, no. Friendship. Partially why we do this podcast, so I can kind of hone my verbal skills, because, you know, they're not that good, so if I don't <laughs> explain this movie very well. Yeah, there's two things. There's the story reason for why things are happening, and there's that. that's literally what you see on the screen. They wanted to wake this mother, but they accidentally woken up in Stussy who was the real, I don't know, prophecy or whatever. She was the real one, and then she kills everyone who opposed her, everyone who's against Madame Blanc. Why is everyone dancing? I think they're still under the influence, the hypnosis. As she explains, kind of, she's the mother of size, which is, I interpret as the mother of suffering and longing and kind of like sadness slash pain. She will bring this new era of pain into the world. In the next scene, I think that's where the themes come in, really. Because she, Mother Suspirium, as Susie Bunyan, she goes, uh, <laughs> she goes to see Dr. Clamper, who's like, he's like shocked by the whole thing. One of my little favorite scenes that Dr. Clamper getting escorted out of the dance. Like, <laughs> fuck. And, she, and so the witch is like dressing him up and like, okay, there you go now. It's like, fuck. <laughs> some shit. Susie goes to see him. She goes, we need suffering and shame. I think that's the main takeaway from this movie. We need suffering and shame in this world, but not yours. And the demon, as Susie lets Dr. Klemper forget about his lost wife, his lost love. Does he? Yeah. That was but she tells him all about it. She tells him. Like, yeah, she yeah. tells him and then said, you now forget everything. Okay. Yeah. I When she said forget everything, I thought she just meant the ritual. No, no, no. She like everything. Okay. I think that was clear from Tilda Simpson's performance because up until then, this uh, old man was very decrepit and very like looking down. And as soon as he forgets everything, he's like, oh my God, where am I? Like, a bit more active and high energy. The last scene of the film, or so we thought, <laughs> is it goes back to the holiday home. Yeah. And it says on the wall, A hearts J. Yeah. It's a simple thing, but I really like how it's on a corner. Of a yeah, house. I like that. Yeah. That splits the heart apart. And then even the way they shot it, one one is in shadow, one yeah. is in light. And that's, I think that's a cool, cool way of ending it. And Why end it that way? It's a film about misery and suffering. Um, it's the final message that love prevails. <laughs> they also kind of concentrate on this new family that moved in and cleaned the place up in this holiday home. And it's clearly like a completely new family. Uh, so it's maybe more about that, you know, time moves on and, and we forget about these things and it's okay. Right. And then, because we were watching, <laughs> we watched the credits, we started, I woke up <laughs> and and we didn't know there was a, a post-credit scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The really interesting post-credit scene that, um, you know, Samuel L. Jackson's there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's building a team. We heard about you, Mother Superior. Can you <laughs> blow up the head of Thanos? There's <laughs> a um, spoiler alert. Susie in this is actually Scarlet Witch. Yeah, she, yeah. There is genuinely an after-credit scene. She kind of walks up to the camera, touches a wall. Yeah. And then that's it. That's it. Yeah, I don't get it. <laughs> Uh, could be the Berlin Wall. Yeah, maybe. It doesn't focus on the Berlin Wall, but it's like always there. And it's like always in the back of your mind as like this kind of 
thing about separation and and loneliness and you know kind of bad thing it's always in your head i like the berlin wall better in atomic blonde yeah not the concept but the design because <laughs> the design of the concrete wall <laughs> because it was very just like a concrete hair and there was a few graffiti on there but not much and from what i remember from images it's just covered in graffiti yeah. so i'd like to um read some quotes okay. from david argento he was the director of the original suspiria yeah. and he was quoted as saying about this film if you either you do it exactly the same way in which case it's not a remake it's a copy which is pointless or you change things to make it another movie in that case why call it suspiria he went on to say after he'd seen the film it portrayed the spirit of the original film there is no fear no music the film has not satisfied me so much now of course i think me and him bros <laughs> i'm we're, gonna make you watch the original we're, we're a lot alike in a lot of ways <laughs> i think the only thing you'd like in the original that is short and, uh, <laughs> i agree with him and i don't agree with him i don't like remakes no. but if someone points a gun at you to make a remake i think this is the way to do it which is you explore different aspects of the same story yeah or you make it so yeah so different that it retains some of the like the original vision but it's kind of from a different perspective or something like that yeah they could have called it something else and i wouldn't bet an eye i think this is like a shining example of remakes if you're gonna do it do it like this this is certainly number two of the worst films i've yeah, ever seen we settled on number two yeah it's close <laughs> we're talking like catwoman has a 0.1 out mm-hmm. of 10 and this has a 0.2 if I'd been watching this film alone, I'd have just mm. turned it off after an hour and I never would have thought about it ever again. I like it. Watch it. And Rick said watch it. Watch it as a... I would genuinely send anyone a gold star if they watch the entire film, start to finish, send us a picture on our socials and the once a month we check it. <laughs> if, if it's there, I'll send you a gold star. Well, we certainly retained the spirit of the podcast yet again. Yes, <laughs> more it, than ever. We are properly on format. What do you recommend? What do I recommend? Right. Time. So, because of our technical issues, mm-hmm. um, you obviously know what we've recommended. Are we gonna give it away? We're not gonna lie to the audience. I I thought about lying, mm-hmm. but I still want to do the bit that I set up, and okay. I want to see if they get it. Okay. Obviously, they won't be able to tell us, but I want to see if they get it. So it is a 2019 film. It is an action comedy. It stars Daniel Radcliffe. It is an 18-rated film, and he has guns strapped to his hands. Is it Dunkirk? (laughs) Is it the Barbie film? (laughs) It is Guns Akimbo. Yay! Yay. Gun motions. Yay. I already saw it, but I'm not going to let you know yet what I thought of it. Yeah. I mean, it is a dumb action film. It's very stylized. It's very one note for a lot of it Mm. but you know you don't need a lot of notes when the note you're playing is fantastic (laughs) sure (laughs) oh my god we'll find out on the next episode in a half an hour (laughs) (laughs) thank you for listening thank you for listening make sure to go to patreon.com slash i hate your movie for bonus episodes for only one pound per month yep for only one pound a month and you can suggest movies to us and we watch them and despair. 
<laughs> also follow us on Instagram. That's I Hate Your Movie on Instagram. And subscribe and like on YouTube, please. Because we're uh, trying to get more sub- subscribers. And if you're listening to, to this on your favorite podcast platform, please follow and like slash equivalent on your favorite podcast platform. We're everywhere. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. And goodbye. Bye, baby. 2018 is my favorite movie. I'm gonna watch it at least once a week. Till Swindon in an old man costume makes me weak. My name is Rick. I really want to see Suspiria. Oh yeah, I'd really like to watch that film, yeah, thanks. I think my words were something along the line of Suspiria. I think my words were something along the line of Rick want Suspiria. Suspiria. Want Rick. Susie has boonions, but she has my heart She's a dance queen, a goddess part of the heart Her moves will have you mesmerized And I'll keep on watching her till I die My name is Rick I really want to see Suspiria Oh yeah, I'd really like to watch that film, yeah, thanks I think my words were something along the line of I really want to see Suspiria